I praise God for that truth. God is a good God, and he has entered into our world through his son, Jesus Christ, to help us know that he will never give up on us. And he's given us truth to base our lives on so that we can understand who he is and what he wants for our life. Today we're starting a new series, and as we do, I want to take a look at a scene out of a movie called Private Ryan. You may have known, you may know of this movie. Private Ryan is the last surviving sibling of a family, and Captain Miller has been assigned to find him in France and to bring him back safely so that he could be with his family. And this scene that we're going to look at is where Private Ryan is remembering Captain Miller's sacrifice to really save his life. He's in Normandy. He's at Captain Miller's cross, and he's reflecting on his life, Captain Miller's sacrifice, and he asks himself a question. Take a look at this. I tried to live my life the best I could. I hope that was enough. I hope that at least in your eyes, I earned what all of you have done for me. John H. Miller. Here's the question that we're going to answer. How do you have a good life? And we're going to answer that question by taking a look at various belief systems and by further answering six questions in this series. How do I know what's true? Who am I and where did I come from? Why is this world so messed up? How can I fix it? And how should I live my life in light of the one who has sacrificed the ultimate for me. But today, we're going to start this series by taking a look at this question. Why does it even matter what I believe? Now, in order to answer that question, we have to ask ourselves, what is a belief system? Will you write this down? It is a frame of reference in which you see life through Folks, it's how you see life, and it's how you see everything in your life. It's how you see God. It's how you see yourself. It's how you see others. It's how you see your marriage. It's how you see Democrats. It's how you see Republicans. It's how you see good and evil. And the truth is, everybody operates off of a belief system. Even Forrest Gump had one of these, okay? Life is like a box of chocolates. Have you ever heard yourself describe life maybe in terms like, you know, I think life is a race. I think life is a contest. I think life is a party. When you say that, you are stating a belief system. And the most important frame of reference 
or the most important picture frame of reference that you have in your house is your belief system. Because every decision that you make goes through it, whether it is a conscious or whether it is unconscious. It goes through that picture frame of reference. And so this series that we're in is not just an academic exercise that we're going through. This isn't just some intellectual theory that we're going to talk about. Folks, truly, it is the most practical thing in your life because it will determine the kind of life that you live. It will determine the kind of marriage that you have, the kind of family. It will determine your finances. It will determine your work. It will determine everything about your life. And if you want a life that is filled with balance and health and wholeness, you need to examine what you are building your life upon. Now, the challenge is this. A lot of times we don't do that until we have to make a decision in our life. And we will then maybe slow down for a moment. And we will ask ourselves, I wonder what I really believe about this. Now, this is so important because if you base your decisions upon a faulty premise, then guess what? You're going to have a faulty outcome. I want you to take a look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says this out of the Living Bible Translation. When anyone who becomes a Christian, he becomes a new person inside. The old passes away and a new life has begun. What Paul is saying here is this, that once you receive Jesus Christ in your life, when you drop him from your head to your heart, you are given a new identity. But the problem is this, that oftentimes what happens is that we operate off of the old identity. And we listen to old tapes about ourselves, things that have been said maybe by our parents or professionals or partners, and we choose to operate, though we've been given this new identity, we choose to operate off of the old identity. And so the outcome isn't good. You see, what you and I need is we need a new view. We need a new view of God. We need a new view of ourselves. We need a new view of life. Because like I said, if we are operating off of a faulty belief system, the, the results can be disastrous. How do you know right now in your life that you are operating off a faulty belief system? It says, you and I begin to ask ourselves this question, why are things not working out in my life? Could it be that you've built your life on a faulty belief system? And what you need is to get in line with truth. Now the good news is this, although you may have built your life on a faulty belief system, a belief system is a choice and you can choose to believe differently. And my hope for you and I is in this series is that you will begin to realign your life to God's truth. Now, in the world in which you and I live in, this culture, there are seven popular 
belief systems. To be honest with you, there are more, okay? But these are the popular ones that come to my mind. And the first one is this, and the phrase is this, in one word, get. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, and spoil the rest. This is called materialism. And materialism says the only thing that matters are things. The materialist says, you know what, America's about life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. The materialist values uh, the, the things more than relationships. They're confused about their value, okay, with valuables. They think it's all about getting. Now, Jesus spoke to this. Take a look at Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Jesus said this, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In other words, what he's saying here is don't judge your life by things because the greatest things in life are not things, are they? Not at all. The second popular belief system in our culture goes by this phrase, I've got to think of me first. We live in a me-centered culture, do, you, do we not? It's all about you. We do it all for you. This is called individualism. And individualism says, you know what, I don't care what this does to my kids. I don't care what this does for my family. I don't care what this does for my worker, my coworkers. I don't care what this does to my church. I'm going to do what's best for me. Now, Jesus spoke to this kind of belief system as well. In Matthew 6, 25, he said, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. Jesus is saying the only way that you and I really live life is not by collecting things. It's not through status, but rather it's through service. Even while I've been recouping from some of the procedures I've been going through in regards to my health, I have been getting emails about Haiti. I want you to know that Haiti, our orphanage, okay, in Hinch, is kind of nestled up against the mountains, and so they survived the, um, the, the, the hurricane, okay? But the other orphanages in Port-au-Prince were not so lucky. So if you want to give and make sure that 100% of your money goes to the victims of that hurricane, Hurricane Matthew in Haiti, you can write out a check and just put on Haiti and 100% of that money will go to global orphans and 100% of that money will go to those orphanages and the churches that sponsor those orphanages. I just wanted to bring that to your attention because though I've been at home, I've been doing a lot of emails with people. But that's what Jesus says. He says, whatever you do, don't, don't confuse status with significance. Significance comes through service. It comes about by serving and thinking of other people. The third common belief system that you and I can get caught up in in our culture goes by this phrase, do whatever feels good. I mean, you only go around once in life, so you might as well just live it to the fullest. This is called hedonism. And hedonism says the most important thing in life is how I feel. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. If it doesn't feel good, I'm not going to do it. 
Now, what you need to understand about pleasure is this, is that God created it. But listen, it is not the goal of life. It is the outcome of getting your life in line with how God wants you to live. Now, how do you know if you are hedonists? If your whole goal in life is to do nothing and have fun. A lot of people, they live for the weekends. I cannot wait for Friday because all I want to do is have fun and do nothing. Folks, you and I weren't created to do nothing. Take a look at this verse in Proverbs 2, 17. Are you addicted to thrills? What an empty life. The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. You see, if the pursuit of your life is just to live for the weekends, to do nothing and just to have fun, if the pursuit of your life, let me put it in these terms, is just to work hard for 40 years and retire so that you can sit on your blessed assurance and not do anything with your life, then you are a hedonist. The fourth common belief system that's in our culture is this. Do whatever works for you. In other words, it may not be my thing, but if it's your thing and it's working for you, that's great. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong, whether it's good or evil. If it works for you, guess what? Bonus. Now, in a pluralistic society in which we live in, this is a very popular view. Because no one in a pluralistic society wants to tell someone else that what they're doing is wrong. In fact, the only thing wrong in a pluralistic society is to tell someone that what they're doing is wrong. This idea is called pragmatism. And pragmatism says whatever works is good. Now, the problem with this belief system is that sometimes what works is evil. Folks, it was pragmatism that was behind Hitler killing six million Jews. That was evil. Now, the Bible speaks to this. Take a look at Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but, it ends, but, but in the end it leads to death. You see, a lot of things seem right. Hey, whatever works for you. But it ends in death. Let me help illustrate this. You don't break God's universal laws. They break you. Let's say you go on top of Reunion Tower. Okay, that had the, I think it had the scrolling banner of uh, Oklahoma UT game. Okay, I was hearing that was a big ruckus. Okay, because they were acknowledging Oklahoma. Okay, nevertheless, let's just say that you are on top of the reunion tower and you don't believe in gravity. You, you, you go to the top of reunion tower, says, you know what, I don't believe in, in, in gravity, and you jump. And I'm, I don't know, halfway up, halfway down, depends on what your perspective is. I, I'm, I'm halfway up, okay? 
And I poke my head out a window and I say, hey, how's things working for you? And you say, so far, so good. Folks, there's a way that seems right, even in the middle of a fall, that you are totally unaware of. But it ends in death. Folks, I meet whatever works for me people all the time. And I ask them, how's it working? How's it working? Putting in 68, 70 hours a week at work and neglecting your family. Hey, so far so good, Pastor George. How's, how's it working cheating on your spouse? So far so good. How's it, how's it going in living beyond your means financially. So far, so good. Folks, I meet people all the time who are failing in their marriages, who are failing in their finances, who are failing in their, their, their families, who are failing in, in their careers. And I ask them, hey, how are things going? And they say, so far, so good. You see, just because it's working now doesn't mean that it's right. The fifth most popular belief system that honestly affects all of us is this, that God doesn't matter. This is called naturalism. And naturalism says, you know what, I believe that life came about through chance, that there is no grand design, no grand designer, that there is no creator whatsoever. Let me tell let me let you in on a little secret about this belief system. That if there is no God, it, 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 which is this, that if there is no God, your life doesn't matter. That is the logical, rational conclusion of that belief system. All you are is educated slime. And if someone comes along and blows you away with the 45, guess what? Just sucks being you today, okay? If there is no design, then your life doesn't matter. The only way that your life and my life matters is if there is a God who comes along and says this, I made you, I love you, and I have a purpose for your life. Honestly, in these last couple of weeks, as I'm recouping from some procedures, I've thought about that. You know, I did a series uh, several weeks ago called The Tunnel of Chaos. And I raised the question, how do you get through what you're going through? And one of the things that I stated in that series was very simply this. you got to know your purpose in life. As problems come your way, you need to know your purpose because purpose gives power to persevere through the tunnel of chaos. You've got to know that there is a God who made you, who loves you, and has got a purpose for your life. Bertrand Russell, one of the world's famous atheists, said, said this, if there is no God, then there is no purpose to life. At least he was intellectually honest. Paul said it like this, Romans 1, 20. From the beginning of creation, God has shown what he is like by all he has made. That's why those people don't, 
That's why those people don't have any excuse. They know about God, but they don't honor him or even thank him. They claim to be wise, but they are fools. You see, what you need to know about me personally is that, folks, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. In fact, it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a believer in one who, a believer that there is a grand designer behind all this stuff. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's just say I'm walking out in the middle of Texas and I come across a rock that looks out of place. It's natural for me to look at that rock and to think, you know what, that happened by accident. But let's say on that same walk, as I'm walking out in the middle of Texas, which is almost a God-forsaken place, right? I come across a Rolex watch. Innately, I know as I look at that Rolex watch that that didn't get there by accident. That someone lost that watch. That someone put some energy and time into designing that watch. Folks, I don't have enough faith to believe that life came about by chance. Because as I look at that watch, I know someone designed it. The naturalist has more faith than a Christian does. The sixth most popular belief that works at undermining our frame of reference is this, and it goes by this phrase, you are your own God. And this belief says, you know what, I'm the master of my fate. I am the determiner of my destiny. I am my own God. Now let me just say something. I don't want to disappoint you, but you're not God. You're not even a mean, a mini, weeny, teeny little God. If you and I were God, why can't we solve all the problems that are going on in our world and in our own personal world? We can't. This is what is called humanism. And humanism says, you know what? I don't want to worship God. I want to worship myself. Take a look at Romans 1, verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped created things rather than the creator. Folks, you can go throughout the world. I've been throughout the world. And I can tell you this, there are a lot of people who have made a lot of things with their hands who are worshiping wooden things and metal things and things made out of rocks that they've made with their own hands. In America, we call them cars, or houses, or our careers. That's called humanism. The fifth and final belief is this, and the phrase goes like this, God made me for a purpose. And that is called theism. And theism in the Greek means God or the study of God. And the Bible says that God is the creator of life and he has created it for a purpose. Judaism and Christianity are theistic religions. 
Take a look at this verse in Colossians 1.16. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything, God started in him and finds its purpose in him. Everything created was created by God and for God. And until you and I understand that, life isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. And why life doesn't make sense as we look out what's going on throughout the world in America, in, in Collin County, across the board, is because what has happened is that we have bought off on two big myths. We have bought off on the myth of sincerity and the myth of situational ethics. The myth of sincerity, in essence, says this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere about it. The problem with that is that you can be sincerely wrong. You can be building your life sincerely on a foundation that you think is going to take you right to the top. And it is at a certain point in time in your life. But it doesn't get you there in the end. And it results in destruction, like I said. It would be like you and I having a glass of water in our hands. And we can sincerely believe that that water is pure. But if it's laced with arsenic, guess what? You are sincerely dead. You see, it doesn't matter what your sincerity level is. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If you sincerely believe that the world is flat, you can believe that all day and all night, and you can work off that premise, but guess what? You're wrong, and your sincerity will not change that. Now, I bring that up to make this point, and I've been making this point for 27 years, that truth is always true regardless of how sincere or insincere you are about it. Truth is immovable. If it was true 2,000 years ago, guess what? It's going to be true today. And if it's true today, it's going to be true 2,000 years from, the day to, from today. It doesn't matter on your level of sincerity whether you believe it or don't believe it, sincerely or insincerely. It's true. Now, the other myth is the myth of situational ethics. And situational ethics says this, and you know what? It really doesn't matter what you believe. It all depends on the circumstances. And so people go around picking and choosing their belief systems based on their circumstances. Some say this, well, when I'm with the guys, I have this belief system. We've heard that lately, haven't we? When I'm with the gals, though, I'm with, I have this belief system. When I'm with this group of people, I have this philosophy of life. And when I have this, and I'm with this group of people, I have this philosophy of life. And when I am with my family, I have this belief system. And when I am with at church, I have this belief system. Folks, that is called situational ethics. And it doesn't work. What it does is it creates confusion and stress in your life. 
And that is why the Bible says that you and I need to know what we believe and why we believe it. We need to understand the why and the what that matters. And knowing what you believe matters for three reasons. Will you write beside Proverbs 4.23, it shapes my life. What you believe shapes your life. Take a look at Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think. Your life is, will you circle that word, shaped by your thoughts. I want you to think about this. If you don't know why you believe what you believe, you are being shaped by factors that you are unconscious of. And that is scary. The Bible is really clear that our beliefs determine our behavior. That our values determine our vision. And so we need to know what we believe. And we need to know why we believe it. You see, oftentimes I'm so afraid that what we do is we like to work from the outside in instead of from the inside out. I'm afraid if we met the, 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 the crazy person from Gad who was naked as a jaybird, remember that story, he was kind of wandering between the tombs, that what we would do, the first thing that we would do with them is that we would come up to them and we would put clothes on them. Let me just dress you up like, so that you look like a normal person, okay? But that isn't what Jesus did with that person. What Jesus did with that person, he says, what's your name? Identity. How you see God, how you see yourself, how you see life. What you believe shapes your life. The second reason why it's important to know why you believe what you believe is this. Will you write beside this verse in Proverbs 29, 18? Unnecessary problems. If you have a faulty belief system, you will, be, you will experience unnecessary problems in your life. Take a look at this verse, Proverbs 29, verse 18. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. You've heard me say this before. I had someone act on this. That the most important light in my house is the night light that when I get up and I have to go potty is on and guides me the right way so that I don't stub my toe. Someone bought me a night light that you can put right on the toilet so you don't miss, okay? thought that was funny. Um, but wouldn't you rather have a light to help you see how to navigate different decisions and challenges that are coming your way as opposed to not having a light and chancing it? Folks, if you and I didn't have revelation of who God is and what God came to do for us personally in the sense of our eternal salvation and thirdly, the kind of life that he wants us to live, what we would do is we would be stumbling all over ourselves. But when you and I tend or attend to the truth that God has given us in his word, circle the word blessed. You're going to be blessed. You see, what we're going to be going over these next six weeks is not rocket science. In fact, I want to encourage you. I've asked all the small groups in our church family to go through a book 
The Good Life by Chuck Colson. I read that book about 10 years ago, okay? Reread it four years ago, and I'm rereading it again now. And I've asked all the small groups to go in that book, to, to get, to read through that book and discuss it. There are discussion questions in it now. If you're not in a small group, can I encourage you? Go out, out into the, the lobby, Connection Center, and sign up for one just for six weeks to maybe ten as you work your way through that book. It is one of the best books that I've read in the times in which we live in today. Because I want you to have a blessed life. The third reason why it's important that you and I know what we believe and why we believe it is this. Will you write beside this verse out of 1 Peter 3? Pass it on. Notice what Peter says. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you in account for the hope that is in you, but, to, but do it courteously and respectfully. You see, God... I've had a lot of time to reflect. And here's the thing. I have concerns. I have concerns for our church. I have concerns for the community that we live in. I have concerns for our country. I have concerns for the world. And I've been reading and reading and reading from different people's perspectives on life that are not mine just to see if what I'm thinking and what I'm experiencing is any way in what other people are experiencing, regardless of the belief system, and it's the same. People are living life without hope. And the world is seeking to manage failing systems from one place to the next place, and they know it's failing. And I look at that and I say, God, I want to be a difference maker. I don't want to live my life just for myself and the heck with everybody else. And in this verse, God says this, it's not only important that you know why, what you believe and why you believe it. You must pass it on. He expects you and I to explain it. Several weeks ago, which I wasn't able to be at this meeting. Oh, I wanted to be there, but my wife is a nurse and she was sitting on me hard. We pulled together the leaders of this church, and if you missed it, you need to get caught up on this. On a couple of things, but the big thing was, you know what? We need to be a church that is salt and light. We need to be a church that is about the gospel sharing the good news with Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans that the gospel, the good news, the good life, the gospel is the power of God for, for salvation. The gospel is the purpose for which God gave, left you and I on this earth that we might share it to give us power to persevere, to help other people. You see, here's the sentence that I came up with these past two weeks for this series. The conflict in our lives 
The confusion in our marriages, the chaos in our families, the, the carnality in our churches, the crumbling in our culture and communities are all caused by a futile attempt to hold, to believe, to live out incompatible, contradictory belief systems at the same time. And it doesn't work. Folks, this is the source of all the confusion and chaos and hopelessness that is going on in our world. So what are we going to do over these next six weeks? Well, here's my hope. That one, if you're not in a small group, that you will get into a small group. Because our small groups are going to go through Chuck Colson's book, How to Live the Good Life. It is a great book. Easy read, okay? But over those six weeks, as you're in community, we're going to be covering these four things in a broad way. One, you can look at your outlines. You're going to learn what's true. You're going to discern what's wrong. You're going to turn from the world to the word. And you're going to concern yourself with God's agenda. LifePoint Church is about God's agenda. It is about sharing our faith with people around us by sharing our stories, by inviting them to church. You see, the world has given themselves to a number of different things. The G8 says, you know what? It's the economy that's going to change the world. Washington, D.C. says it's politics that are going to change the world. Hollywood says it's entertainment that's going to change the world. And yet with all these things, there has been an ever-increasing sense of despair and hopelessness in our world. The problem is this. We need to build our lives on truth. And folks, we haven't. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next six weeks. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who has not left us here on planet Earth to just aimlessly wander around, to stumble in the dark, and to self-discover what is true and what isn't true. You are a God who loved us so much that you chose to intervene in human history. To reveal to, our, to reveal to us who you are. And how you want to be in relationship with us because you love us. And you want us to love you back. And that you want us to experience the good life. A life filled with peace and power. A life filled with direction and purpose. A life filled for hope. No matter what we're going through, we know that you're a good God and you're after our good. Today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you've been building your life upon these past, I don't know, 40, 45, 50 years. But if it hasn't been upon the, the truth of God's word and 
who he has revealed himself through Jesus Christ. Today, you can change your belief system. You can ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. And you can begin building your life upon him and his truth. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Will you just say, if you haven't done this, this is really where it starts. If you haven't done this, will you just say in the quietness of your heart, God, right now, I admit that I have failed. As I look at my life, my finances, my family, my marriage, my relationship with others, God, I see that I've built my life on a faulty premise. But today, God, I believe that your truth, you've said in your word, I am the way, the truth, and I am life. And so, God, today I put my faith in you and what you said and what you did by resurrecting from the grave. And I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. Begin working in me, God, helping me to understand the new identity that I have in you. Life might be a reflection of your goodness. And if you prayed that prayer as simple as it was, God heard you. Would you on the communication card that's in front of you, pull it out, maybe give me your email address, your name, and just write the letter A and circle it, stating I've accepted Christ for the first time. I want to build my life on him. When I get those in the first part of the week, I'll get back in touch with you. I'll help you to understand what you just did and all that God has in store for you. So, Lord, we give you this. We thank you for this. In your son's precious name, we pray. Amen.